There are five different ways people handle conflict. Four of them don't work. But in Philippians 2.4, God gives us a method that is the most likely to have a good outcome, where you get what you want, and they get what they want, and most importantly, God gets what he wants. Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. So where should you start? How do you resolve a conflict where there's different positions, different interests? There's basically five approaches that people tend to take. Which one of these five you'll tend toward is determined mostly by Do you really highly value the relationship or do you really highly value your position and your interests? Um, So if if you uh, care only about your position uh, and you care a lot about that and you don't really care about the relationship very much, then you'll probably go the route of defeat, defeat the other person. Just win. Do whatever it takes to get your way. Get your position. Get it, get, and and you know maybe you're going to shout the person down. Maybe you'll uh, uh, intimidate the person somehow. Maybe you'll use tears to manipulate the person. Maybe you'll use your mood. You know, just let them know you're going to be in a bad mood if you don't get your way or whatever. Um, or maybe you just wear the person down with just incessant, constant arguing, arguing, arguing. Finally, they just, they just give up. It's like fine, just have your own way. Whatever it takes, you defeat the person and you get your position. But you sacrifice the relationship when you do that, right? So that's one way. On the other extreme, people that really care about relationship and they don't care about the position as much, um, they're going to tend more towards accommodation. So you just throw your position out the window. You just say, fine, I'll go with whatever you want and, uh, and I'll sacrifice my interest. And now um, the relationship is preserved. You've lost your interest, but you preserve the relationship. A third possible response is avoidance. <laughs> just avoid the whole thing. Don't even deal with it. This is You don't care about the relationship or the position, really. You just don't want to be in a fight. You just don't want to have to deal with a conflict. And so you're just like, no, I'm not going to deal. And so the relationship's still fouled up. You're having resentment towards it, and they got resentment and everything. And, and the position, you're not getting that either. You just... This is like the worst one. This, this is a terrible one, because you don't get anything good out of it. You just avoid the conflict. So what should you do if you care about the relationship and you care about your position? Both are important to you. Then what do you do? Well, most people would say the thing to do here would be compromise. I'll sacrifice half of my position. You sacrifice half of yours. We'll meet in the middle. And that way the relationship stays intact. We're not mad at each other. We both uh, lost uh, some we, you know, of what we wanted, but we both got a little bit of what we wanted. And so um, that's the best possible thing. But it's not the best. There's one more. There's a fifth option that's actually better than compromise, and that is collaboration. Collaboration is when I actually adopt your interests into my own heart. You adopt my interests into your heart. So now, like I said before, I've got two sets of interests, and you have two sets, the same two sets of interests. And so we're one now. Each, of us, each one of us has looked, we kept our eye the whole time on the other one's interests, and now we've adopted those as our own. So you walk up to that man on vacation and you say, 
guy, what are your what are your what do you want? And he'll say, I want two things. I want to stay within budget so that we can stay solvent. And I want the family to have a good time. I want both of those. Those both matter a lot to me. And you, you go to the woman and you say, woman, what do you want? And she says, I want two things. Uh, I want the financial stability of the family. I want that budget to be hit. And I want the family to have a good time. That's what I want. And I care about both of those. So both husband and wife have the same two desires. But how can they fulfill both those interests? How can they possibly stay within budget and make sure the family has a great time? That's not easy. I don't know. It's going to be tough to figure that out. That's going to require some creative thinking and problem solving. and, And probably one brain isn't going to be enough to get that figured out. Probably it's going to require a collaboration of at least two, maybe even pull someone else in to help you out and figure out how could we possibly serve both these interests. Because the the husband has two desires, the wife has the same two desires. They need to put their heads together and figure out how can we serve both, fulfill both these sets of desires that we both have. And when you do that, that... Very often you're going to find that there will be a creative solution. You'll come up with some ingenious thing. You'll put your heads together, you'll collaborate, you'll come up with some great uh, this solution that, you know, we'll just do this and then, you know, we'll, we'll, here's a cheap way that we could stay at a hotel and we could still hit the budget or, we, or here's a way we could just drive home and still have fun or whatever. And you come up with some great thing that serves both interests and, and that's great. You know, that's, that's terrific. But what if you can't? What if you try and try? And there's just no way to do both. No way to serve both interests. Say you and I are in some kind of conflict over, um, uh, you know, we talked about building a new foyer. Suppose, suppose that was your idea. You wanted to build a new foyer for this church. And, um, and your interest, your un, that's your position, is you, you want to build. Your underlying interests are you want the church to be welcoming and you want there to be better fellowship and, and accommodate the ministries better. I'm saying my position is, no, let's not build. We can't afford it. Let's, let's take that money and, and do like a missions project or something. And, and you say, what are your underlying interests, Daryl? I say, well, I, I want to, you know, I want to reach the loss in the mission field and all that. So, so we say, okay, let's put Philippians 2-4 into practice. Let's do it. And so you start really caring about my project. And I start really caring about your interest about fellowship and welcoming. And now that means a lot to me. And my thing means a lot to you. And we have these shared desires now. You want two things. Someone says, what do you want? Two things. I want I want that project and I want the, the fellowship. And, I, and you ask me and I say the exact same thing. I want the fellowship. I want the project. Okay. So now we've done that. And we, uh, we say, okay, let's collaborate. Let's come up with a, you know, some way to serve both these interests. We think, we think, we think. Goes through a committee. We do, do the elders, all whatever. And we get to the end and we can't do it. We just can't, there's no way we can serve that interest and that interest. It's it's impossible. We can't think of a way. So we end up having to just go with one and drop the other. But here's the thing. The fact that we both adopted each other's interests first, when it gets to that point where something has to go out the window, nobody's mad. Right? Nobody's mad because, because... I'm not upset with you. Suppose my project is what goes out the window. That's what, that's what gets lost. I'm not mad at you because I could tell it hurt you when that decision was made. 
So, you know, we go through the whole thing and the decision comes down and finally the committee or whoever's in charge says, okay, we're going to build, we're not going to do the project. And, and you, even though your original position is so you want to build, as soon as they said that, okay, we're going to build, you like raise your hand like, wait, 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 what about the project? Because I care about that now. That, that's a desire in my heart now. What about the project? And they say, we can't do the project. And you're like, ugh. And I could tell it hurt you. What does that do to me? That makes me feel loved, doesn't it? Can you see how that would make me feel loved? If you feel bummed because we didn't get that project, I can tell my, my, my interest matters to you. And I can live with not getting my way because you cared at least. Can you see how this would help a marriage? You believe how much this would help in a marriage. It's so much easier if a wife has to give up the thing that she wanted, if she just at least knows that her husband understands that interest, cares deeply about that interest, and wants it just as much as she wants it, if it has to go out the window and it hurts him, and she can see it hurts him, uh, that's going to make her feel loved. And they're going to be one. And even if you can't come up with a good solution, you haven't, you haven't spoiled the relationship. And not only have you not spoiled the relationship, but you haven't lost your joy. Why? Because both sides got what they wanted. Right? Because when I started looking at your interests and your interests were that, was the fellowship and it went, ended up going that way, I get what I want. I want the fellowship now, right? Because I care about that and that matters to me. That's one of my desires and I got one of my desires. See, once we adopt each other's interests, we're guaranteed to come out uh, of the whole thing with, uh, with at least one of our desires being met. Whichever way it goes, I'll get at least that one. See that? So, uh, so my joy is intact. I still get what I want and I feel loved. That's what happens. If we keep our eye on the other person's interest long enough to where my heart wraps around that interest and, and gathers it in to be my own. Now, Someone might ask at this point, what if the two parties already have the same interest to begin with, but they have different ideas about how to serve that interest? Like what would accomplish this? For example, you and your spouse, spouse both have one interest. You, you, you ask both and you're just like, well, here's our interest. We want, uh, we want peace in the household. That's what we want. And you think the way to have peace in the household is to have a stricter discipline with the kids. And your spouse thinks the way to have peace in the household is to have more lenient discipline with the kids. Same interest, same goal, but different ideas of how to reach it. Or say two people in the church, we're bringing it into church. Suppose uh, two people both have the same interest. We want a more worshipful atmosphere in the church. More worshipful atmosphere. And one person thinks, the way to do that, add a couple of electric guitars and crank up the volume. And, and, and the other person is, get rid of instruments altogether. And that will be more worshipful. So, what do you do? Well, in a situation like that, two parties talk it over. You, you listen the best you can. You uh, empathize with the other person's position. And you show respect and kindness. And then you leave it up to whoever's in authority to make the call. And then you trust God to lead through his, his ordained authorities. That's why God gave us authority structures in, in every level of human intercourse. So just trust the decision of the authority. When you have a conflict with someone, which response are you most prone to? Defeat? Accommodation? Avoidance? Compromise? Or collaboration? 
what virtue do you think you need to cultivate to enable you to move more toward collaboration as a response? If you're in a conflict with someone right now, the application for today's message is obvious enough. Apply the principles we've been covering the past few episodes. Adopt the other person's good interests. Let them know what your underlying interests are that they might agree with. And try to collaborate on finding a way to serve both sets of interests. Maybe it's a disagreement about politics. Many political differences begin with the same interests, just different ways to achieve them. People who want higher taxes and people who want lower taxes might both have the same goal, more prosperity for everyone. They differ on how to get there, and those differences matter. They're worth debating, but if we start by acknowledging the other person's interests as being good, that can make the debate a whole lot more fruitful. If you know of someone else in a conflict, if they both trust you enough to listen, see if you can step in and help them do this. And if you're not currently in a conflict, start by thanking God. That's a wonderful place to be. Millions of people would give their right arm to be in your shoes. But don't set this aside as non-applicable. You don't want to wait until you're in a conflict to learn these principles. They work best when you already have a solid handle on them going in to the disagreement. So what could you do to get these principles set in your heart? Maybe go back in your memory banks and recall three or four conflicts you've had and think through what it would have looked like to apply these principles. And if one of those was left unresolved, maybe it would be good and go find that person and ask for forgiveness if need be, for not caring about their interests. And you could say something like, I should have asked you at the time what your interests were, but I was so caught up in my position I didn't do that, but I'd like to do it now. If nothing else, you can show love by being interested and by affirming whatever's good in their interests. Thank you for this passage, Father. I want to do better at humbling myself and showing your love when I have a disagreement with someone. Don't let me think of myself more highly than I ought, but rather to think of myself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith you have given me. Give me a sincere love. Teach me to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Help me become devoted to others in brotherly love and to honor them above myself. Show me how to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. You've given me so much, Lord. Give me a generous heart to share with your people who are in need. Let me give as freely as I've received. Show me how to practice hospitality and love strangers. Give me grace to bless those who persecute me, to bless and not to curse. Teach me to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. May I live in harmony with others, never proud, but willing to associate with people of a low position, never conceited. May I never repay anyone evil for evil. Make me careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as long as it depends on me, to live at peace with everyone. May I never take revenge, 
but may I leave room for your wrath. For you have said it is mine to avenge, and I will repay. On the contrary, if my enemy is hungry, may I feed him. If he's thirsty, may I give him something to drink. Never let me be overcome by evil, but let me overcome evil with good. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.